Welcome to the Stewardship Leader Podcast, brought to you by the Christian Stewardship Network. CSN exists to encourage, teach, and connect church and stewardship leaders to help them create and lead healthy stewardship ministries in their church. You can learn more about CSN at christianstewardshipnetwork.com. Well, hey, everyone. Welcome to Stewardship Leader. I'm your host, Leo Sabo. And today on the podcast, I have the pleasure of speaking with David Ashcraft. He's the founder of LCBC Church. That's Life Changed by Christ in Mannheim, Pennsylvania. They also have many campuses throughout Pennsylvania, where he served as the lead pastor for almost 32 years. David, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing a senior pastor's perspective on stewardship and generosity. Sure, Leo. Thanks for the opportunity to be here. Happy to be here. Very good. Well, David's leadership at LCBC Church grew from one location with weekly attendance at 150 people to now 19 locations across the state of Pennsylvania with a combined average weekly attendance of 21,000. He is the founder and president of The Advantage, a leadership collaborative whose purpose is to mentor and encourage pastors across the country. He's also the author of What Was I Thinking?, a book designed to help us make better decisions. David also serves on the board of directors of the Global Leadership Network and the National Association of Evangelicals. And he's been married to his bride, Ruth, for over 44 years. And together they have two children and two grandchildren. Well, David, you have a tremendous amount of experience as a pastor, and it's just uh, such a pleasure to have you share your perspective, stewardship and generosity. I know LCBC believes in equipping people in generosity. One of your staff, Donna Nicholson-Steve, is on our board of directors at CSN and just speaks so highly of not only you, but the leadership there. And so I just wanted to take some time to ask you some questions about this from that pastor's perspective. So many of the, the folks that we try to reach are the senior leaders in our churches and help them understand why this is such an important topic to talk about in the church and to equip people with the knowledge of God's word on this topic. So thank you for, for being willing to do that. So let's start with kind of a personal question. What is your stewardship and generosity story? Yeah, so I would go all the way back, Leo, to uh, being a kid, both for Ruth, my wife, and myself. Our parents modeled um, generosity and giving and giving specifically to God through the church. And I don't know that I remember my parents teaching or sitting down and teaching it to us. They just modeled it. We knew it was happening. Ruth remembers uh, sitting and her dad handing her the check every week to put in the offering plate as it went by. Mm. I remember um, opportunities where my mom, we would be driving in the car and somebody would go by pulling a boat. And every once in a while, she'd say, you know, we could have a boat like that. But, uh, you know, we choose to give our money to God kind of thing. And so I remember those kind of statements periodically happening. So when Ruth and I were married, we uh, chose to go ahead and start giving right away. That became part of our our budget. And, um, and so just continued on from that standpoint. So it's always been a part of our life and um, way beyond the model that we were given was tithing. And uh, so we just always 10% right from the beginning is what we were always giving. And then as we were married, got involved in churches, there were always stewardship campaigns. And so uh, right away began giving beyond um, beyond the tithe and giving towards those stewardship building campaigns. And probably the first one that we remember was just, um, we were, I was in grad school, we were driving a Honda Civic, we were making car payments on our Honda Civic, and I think they were $126 a month. And 
as we talked about how we were going to be involved in that campaign, we said, you know, if we're giving $126 towards the civic, then surely we can give $126 towards um, this program. And so we did that. The next one came along and we were driving a Honda Prelude and the expenses, the budget, uh, the payments were a little bit higher. And mm-hmm. I think they were probably around 250 something. And so we said, okay, we'll just do that. We'll give. And then we got to the next one and my taste in cars had gone up. And mm-hmm. uh, so at that point I was interested in uh, an Acura, an Acura 3.2 TL. I remember it well, it was about 25 years ago. And uh, I had even gone to a dealership and I had test driven an Acura and I, I brought home the brochure. I've kept that brochure and uh, just pictured myself driving that car. And I thought I looked really good in that car. And um, about that same time, we as a church were going through a stewardship campaign. And so started trying to think through what would we give? And if I'm honest, um, I wasn't going to give God the same payments that it was going to cost for an Acura. I was probably more of a Hugo, if you remember the Hugos back then. Oh yeah. And uh, so uh, talking to another friend that was a pastor and he really challenged me and said, well, you know, have you put everything in your hands and laid it before God and said, God, whatever you want. And I remember his name was Brett. And I remember leaving that lunch and calling Ruth and saying, man, you can't believe what um, you won't believe what Brett said and kind of messed up my plan. And I was going to give God a Hugo. Now I need to give him an Acura. And so that was kind of our journey. And we just needed practical handles to think, how do we even think about this? And so now we've given away many Acuras and um, it's just a normal part of our routines. So. Yeah. Yeah. I just love that. You know, there's the saying that more is caught than taught. And the fact that both of your parents modeled uh, really set you up to to understand it, first of all, to see it practice and and I think that that's such a powerful thing. Um, I wish that was more of the natural way people learn today, but unfortunately it's not. Uh, right. more, less and less people have that financial education, especially from the biblical perspective. So uh, such a rich heritage that you've inherited. And I'm glad uh, that you you and your wife have done that, but also more than likely you've passed that on to your children and now your grandchildren. And that's, that's amazing. What a legacy. So David, from your experience as a senior pastor, does the senior pastor have a role in discipling people about money and wealth? And if if they do, what is that role? How would you define that? So, you know, you just mentioned modeling and modeling from our parents. I think we've got to model it as well as pastors. And so one is just by setting the example. And um, it's not something every time we've done a stewardship campaign at church, I don't give a specific amount. But the cool thing is I can actually tell my story of uh, the fact that Ruth and I are giving on a regular basis. I can tell my story that um, just like I did with you that started out with a Honda Civic payment. And I think I was, well, I was specific, $125. The prelude was $250. When it got to the Acura, I didn't talk about that payment or that car, but everybody's got an idea. I kind of had an idea of how much that costs. And so without saying it, I was saying, this is what we're giving. And and so just challenging people and saying, you know what, Um, we believe in this so much, we're doing it and would really encourage you to do it. So I think the first is just in modeling it. The second is obviously in teaching it. I do have to think we have to teach it on a regular basis. Mm. Okay. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. I think that's this is one of those things that we here at CSN are so passionate about because we do feel like some pastor will shy away from that. And there's there's legitimate reasons sometimes why they don't want to talk about it. But I think if we don't talk about it, it leaves people with a gap and they need to find that information somewhere else. And I don't know a better resource than the Bible for that kind of information. So I'm so glad that you, you find that that's a need. So did you incorporate teaching on stewardship and generosity from the beginning uh, of LCBC or sometime later? 
You know, I did from the very beginning. And even as I look back now, I think some of what I was doing was rather foolish. I think uh, early days, John Maxwell, if you know John um, and his teachings back in the early 90s, is when I first came across him. We were a church of 150 people, and he was doing a breaking the 200 barrier um, in our region. And so I went to that conference and listened to him. But part of what he talked about also was just giving and generosity. And at that time, um, I was just learning and thought, okay, this is something I need to do. And so I started every every year off with a month of teaching on stewardship and generosity and did that for about 14 or 15 years. And the foolish part is, you know, looking back now, I think, okay, January is when people are just coming back to church and maybe a lot of people that aren't used to being in church. And so was that the best series to start with every January? And yet I think the reason we did it is we just thought, okay, people are setting new goals and new challenges for the year. And so what better way than to talk about stewardship? So we did that. Every year, like I said, for probably 14, 15 years. And um, I, I think probably, um, you know, thinking through one of the reasons why, because you said sometimes it's hard for pastors to talk about it. And I think, Leo, there's a couple of reasons. Sometimes I think we approach it from the wrong point of view, where we teach it as though we're doing it and we let people think that they're doing it to be, as a benefit for the church. They're doing the church a favor. Right. And I think that perspective messes us up and makes it harder to teach, where if we teach it really that it's, it's really, it's for your benefit that I'm telling you this. And if you choose to follow this principle or these practices, it's only going to benefit you and your relationship with God. And, and I mean, we all know from a discipleship standpoint, I mean, Jesus says the toughest place is uh, given our finances and we can, we can show up every week. We can serve, we can do a lot of things, but given our finances is a whole different ball game, but where our treasure is, that's where our heart is. And so um, beginning to teach it and say, man, this is for you. It's not for me. I'm not telling you, you need to do this for me or that I, or the church is going to gain anything. It's for you. It's to your benefit. Yeah. And, and did you find it difficult, maybe even at the beginning to, to talk about it? And did you focus on stewardship, generosity, both? What, what was your kind of your feelings on it as you were doing it? Yeah, well, usually I would talk about stewardship and I would talk about and so it wasn't just finances. It'd be stewardship of your time. It'd be stewardship in you know, a variety of areas. But a big component of it was um, was money. And so I tried to make it more holistic so it didn't feel like, man, he's just pounding us on money. Um, the other thing that I've learned over the years, though, Leo, is people that are giving, they love to hear stewardship, generosity talks, um, because it just affirms what they're doing and they love it. The people that don't love it are almost always people that aren't giving. And so they will complain and they'll say, all you do is talk about giving. And I think as pastors, we've got to decide, okay, well, we're going to, one, we need to teach biblical truth. And if we're going to cave in to something, I'd rather cave in to the people that are giving than cave in to the people that are not. And so, uh, you know, we just did it anyway. And definitely there'd be people who say, oh, you talk too much about money you know, when you really play it out over the course of the year, you're not talking much about it, but but enough that people need to understand it and know it. So yeah, I just chose not to let those people bother me as I spoke about it. That's excellent. I think that's such a such a wonderful thing to to share because I think this is where so many teaching pastors are where they're worried about how their message is going to be perceived and potentially if there's any backlash, especially when you're talking about a topic like this. But making the the point that you're not it's not what you're doing for yourself, right? You're not positioning that message to say, well, if I say this the right way, if I say the right things, then the giving is going to increase. Well, that that would speak to the fact that you're not trusting God to provide. Exactly. Right? As a pastor, God's called you to build a church. Well, he's in charge of providing for that. You're yeah. faith, you have to be faithful to steward it once you receive it. So I think that's a that's an important aspect is to 
to just embrace that and say, okay, I'm going to do this for them. I'm going to just teach the biblical truth. And whatever happens, that's really not, you know, the fruit is not, the growth of the fruit is not our thing. We we can't control that at all. The outcomes are not ours. Uh, that's up to the Lord. But we are to be faithful and continue to sow that seed. And yeah. not everybody's going to receive it. And some yeah. people will just not receive it. Yeah, and that's what I was, as I would teach it, what I taught over and over and over for those first 14, 15 years was the 10, 10, 80 principle and give 10% to God, 10% to savings, live on the other 80%. So, I mean, if you came to anybody at LCBC now that was around during those stages, they could repeat the 10, 10, 80 principle back and forth. And we would tell stories. So people who were putting that into practice, um, we had hundreds of stories of people whose finances, their lives changed dramatically because they were putting those principles into practice. And so we would we would share videos of those stories and constantly telling those stories. And the 10, 10, 80, it, you know, as you talk about it, it's really for the person. And so, and we would even go so far, Leo, as to say, you know, if you think it's just me trying to get your money, then give it to somebody else, give it to another church. Um, you know, it's, you need to give it to church. That that's the place where you can give it first that 10%, but give mm -hmm. it to another church. If you're worried that we're just trying to get your money. Um, that's not really the point. This is for you that we're doing this. Yeah. That's excellent. Well, uh, I know that one of the, you, know, you mentioned that you you talked about it at the beginning of the year and, and more often than that, I'm sure. So what was your thinking as far as doing that? Um, how often would you speak on the topic? And and then how did you weave it into, or did you just do specific messages that were just about stewardship and generosity? So the way we continually talk about it, still do a series once a year on mm -hmm. uh, on stewardship and then finances as a part of that. And then every weekend when we do, we used to call it offering and announcements. And then we were challenged by some friends in another church of why are you making announcements? You ought to be vision casting. And so now we call it vision and offering. And um, we talk about offering and giving every weekend. Um, there was a long period of time where I shied away from talking about tithing. And even though that was my practice with Ruth, we always tithe and then gave beyond the tithe. But I, I was hesitant to say that. And part of that was because of my theological training and upbringing where, you know, we always modeled our giving off the New Testament and 2 Corinthians 9 of, you know, giving freely and it, meant to, it was meant to be joyfully. And so whatever heart, your amount, your heart is leading you to give, that's what you give. And and in my thinking and what I would always say is then the cool thing is if 10 percent was the standard in the Old Testament, then now we're free to give even well beyond that. Yeah, but I also know a lot of people are going, yeah, well, that's my heart's not telling me to give that. My heart's telling me one percent or two percent or whatever. And so finally, probably about 10 years ago, I was challenged by another pastor, a friend who said, you just need to start talking about tithing more. And. I hesitated again, but I thought, you know, this is a practice that I practice personally. And so I'm going to teach it from my own perspective. And so uh, began talking about the fact that here's the Old Testament standard. We're free to give more, but it's still the standard. And, and so that ought to be the starting point where we give. Well, I do hope that you're enjoying this conversation and we're going to come right back to it. But I want to take just a minute to introduce you to one of our ministry partners. CSN's ministry would not be possible without the help of our partners, and frankly, we wouldn't want to do it without them. What they offer to churches and church leaders through services, content, and resources that they have is invaluable to building a healthy stewardship ministry and helping their people to become good stewards and generous givers. This episode of the Stewardship Leader Podcast is sponsored by Financial Planning Ministry. FPM exists to fund ministry by educating families and facilitating generosity in planned giving. 
We serve over 135 ministry partners and their community of members who are all part of God's kingdom. Organizations include Christian churches, universities, evangelistic associations, funding and lending institutions, missionary organizations, retirement homes, and youth camps. Through the promotion of Christ-centered stewardship and responsible estate planning, millions of dollars have been saved from probate and over $1.8 billion have been directed to Christian charities through planned giving. To learn more about financial planning ministry, visit us at fpm.org. And so we did a series, um, I think in 2014, we called it Simple Math. And I just taught real clearly um, tithing, the principle of tithing. And then I actually put up on the screens, the big screens, our budget, my family budget, and took out the dollar amounts, but had every single line item there. And at the top of the budget, I just took it right out of my office. That's not one I created for this, but it was just our giving to God. It was right at the top. And so went through it all the way down to you know, where uh, what we're spending on cable or internet or uh, all those things, vacation where I'm putting aside, but just put the budget up there and said, so this is how we live and this mm-hmm. is how we do it. And um, just challenge people to consider doing the same thing and giving their, their first to God and not, not getting caught in the trap of just giving tips to God or leftovers. And I think that's what a lot of people do. It's just whatever's left over at the end of the month. And so we just said, do, do it first, the very first thing, give that 10% to God and um, did that. And so our giving, again, it wasn't for the, our giving to go up, but our giving went up 50% that next week wow. and has stayed at that level since and even higher. And um, so I think just that clarity, because people don't, you know, they just need a model. They need somebody to say, this is how to do it in a real practical way. And um, I think, Leo, my bias is a lot of times pastors don't talk about giving because they're not giving themselves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As much as I hate to say it, um, and being around lots of pastors and around a lot of a lot of church leaders, church leaders and pastors sometimes will say, "Well, I'm a pastor. Uh, the salary that I make isn't that good. If I were out in the business world, I could be making more money. And so, therefore, what I'm giving to God is my sacrifice of being a pastor." Um, or I'll hear even volunteers say, "You know, what I'm giving to God is my time, and so that's my tithe." And we'll say, you know, that's nice and appreciate you, you know, sacrificing your time and giving your time. Appreciate you being a pastor as opposed to being in the business world. But God doesn't really give us that distinction. Um, He's talking very specifically about money. And so you need to be giving financially that way. But I think it's hard to talk about it if you're not doing it. So my challenge always when I'm around other pastors is you got to do it yourself. And if you're not, you got to get that area of your life straightened out. Yeah. That's, yeah. I mean, it's hard to talk about something you're not doing yourself and encourage other people to do it. Right? Yeah. You, can't, you just can't be genuine. Uh, you can fake it once in a while, but you can't do it consistently. So I can I, I would definitely agree that I think part of the reason why pastors don't talk about it is because they're not giving themselves. And sometimes even the fact that they're not talking about the biblical principles, such as, you know, dead savings, all the other things is for the same reason. They're not they're not managing money well. Uh, I love yeah. that when you started talking about giving and specifically tithing and encouraging them, you went right to your budget. You didn't say, I just kind of do this thing. You said, no, no, here's how I manage my money. So you you show that my wife and I are stewards and this is how we do it. And at the top of that is we honor God because we recognize everything comes from him. What a perfect way to, to convince and help people understand. I'm not just trying to do this to get you to give when I'm doing something that I'm not willing to share with you. It's like, here's what I'm doing, you know? Yeah. And that, you know, by putting, the bud- by putting the budget out there, um, 
what it also did, I mean, if you read all of the different books on how we manage our money, then, uh, you know, we shouldn't have any debt whatsoever, shouldn't have car payments. I mean, I, we, we've always had to make payments on our cars. And so I wanted to put that up there just to tell people, you know what? Yes, the idea would be you pay cash for everything, but for me, that doesn't always happen. And so I said, here's the car payments that we have and, and just talked about all of it so that then there's some authenticity to it and saying, no, I haven't perfected all of this or it doesn't work the way it always is portrayed in the books, but um, but still giving to God is number one. Yeah, I love that because it is about being authentic and real. People don't want experts telling them what to do uh, because that, especially from a, from the pulpit, because if they think God, the measure is to, to do what David is doing. Uh, I'm not even close to that. I, I'll never be able to do that. Instead yeah. of saying, hey, I'm walking this out. Yes, I've been doing this maybe longer than you have, but I'm still walking this out and I'm not doing it perfectly. I try, but not exactly. everything is going to be perfect. And the fact that, that you're trusting God through the process and putting him first, and that's one of the things that I love about teaching about the tithe is that it's not the giving that matters. What matters is that we're putting God first. And when we do that, we're told that God himself will be continue to provide for us, that we can trust him. We don't have to worry. So that in those difficult times, we have the wisdom of knowing what to do. Yeah. And I struggle because when before my wife and I tithe, which we didn't at the beginning of our beginning of our marriage, we did it about four years in. Before we did that, we made all kinds of bad financial decisions. We just burned through everything, David. And and at the end of the month, whatever's left over, because that was our budget, we basically had a list of income and list of, of expenses. Yeah. And if there was money left over, it didn't matter if it was $100 or $1,000, it would be somehow spent. Yeah. And, and four years of that, of course, when you do that on an ongoing basis, you develop a discontent and a lack of you know, waiting for things. So now you're starting to borrow, and which we did. And pretty soon we had credit cards and all kinds of problems. And it was when we started tithing that we began to have the wisdom to manage the rest of it. Before then, it just didn't seem to even register for us. Yeah. And I think that's something that we we forget, that God gives us wisdom when we put him first. Yeah, Finances, exactly. we definitely need the wisdom. Exactly. So you mentioned that for the first 14, 15 years, you would speak on it a certain way. And then you said about 2014 or so, you started... Uh, shifting is this tithe. And I know that you guys do a 90-day tithe challenge. So talk about that and what was your decision-making process for doing it? You know, the first time I ever did a 90-day tithe challenge at LCBC was actually back in the early 90s. And that was a John Maxwell thing where I picked it up and who knows where he got it from. But uh, we did it back then. And then we just kind of got out of the habit of doing it after a few years. And so 2014, as I did that simple math series, um, just challenged people. And so we went to the book of Malachi and read through uh, the verses in Malachi. And I mean, God himself just says, hey, test me on this, try it and just see if I won't take care of you. And so we decided we were comfortable. Some people will get pushed back on the 90 day tithe challenge more from other pastors. It's never our people. And I'll say, well, you can't do that. The Bible doesn't say that. And I say, well, it kind of does. Jesus, he doesn't promise to give your money back. He says, test me on it. And so it's not something all that out of the norm. And we're trying to do it everything we can to make it possible for somebody to actually follow God on this principle. And so uh, we just tell people, again, if you if you do this, um, then uh, we won't ask any questions if you make a commitment. So you sign up to do it. And um, we won't ask any questions if you're not giving. We won't ask any questions if you ask for it back. But really want you to just try God on this. And what we also are real careful to say is God says he'll take care of us. He doesn't say he'll make us rich. He says, I'll take care of your needs. And so I gave lots of examples of ways that God has taken care of us over the years. Everything from... Um, making cars. I, I don't take care of our cars well at all. And and I don't remember, it used to be, it seems like you were supposed to change your oil every 3,000 miles. 
I would every 25,000 miles or so think, oh, I probably need to change the oil. And so, but our cars would go 250,000 miles and they just go and go and go and never die. And so I think that was partly God keeping them going. Uh, I talk about washing machines or dryers that were way too old to, to still be running, but God kept those running. And I think oftentimes God is working. We just don't see it. And it's in those real practical ways. And so just told uh, another example I would give when we first moved from Dallas to Pennsylvania, uh, all of our family was back in Dallas. And so we would fly back to Dallas. And um, very early on, we got in the practice of getting bumped on flights. It's, it's harder to do nowadays. But back then, in the 90s, you could do it all the time if you tried. And so we went through a period of five, six years where we didn't buy any tickets, but we were going back and forth to Dallas often because we were getting bumped all the time. And you know, on one hand, you could look at that and say, well, you're just lucky. You're just fortunate that way. And yet I go, no, that was actually, I think, God taking care of us and providing. My grandmother, um, she bought timeshares, uh, maybe foolishly, but she bought timeshares. And she would always, she'd have more than she could use. So she'd let us use a timeshare. So we would vacation that way. And so just, I tried to give real practical examples of saying, God's not going to make you rich, but he will take care of you and provide for you. And so start looking for those ways that God is providing. And so we did that. I think we had over a thousand families that weekend uh, signed up for the 90 day challenge. And I think now we've had multiple thousands um, Mm -hmm. go through the 90 day challenge. And I would I don't have this exact number, Leo, but I would guess it's less than five people have ever asked for anything back from us. And and again, with the 90 day challenge, we're real clear. We say, if you think this is a gimmick, give it to another church. And we say, we won't give you your money back if you're giving it to them, but give it to another church and just try God. You're testing God on this one. Try it. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. I mean, I I love that you focused specifically on the tithe, not because the tithe is the minimum standard, but because the tithe really says more than just I'm giving 10% because I think there there are folks who sometimes will, we we call them tickle tithers. And basically what that means is they're tickled that they're tithing and they think that's it, I've arrived. That in itself can become an issue of pride. And, and we're not really giving to God if we're saying, I'm checking this box, God, now you owe me kind of thing. And yeah. so we have to always be careful. But I think the tide creates a standard to say, hey, am I really putting enough on the table to say I'm actually trusting God? Right. It's hard to say you're being sacrificial when you're giving one or two percent, which is two and a half percent is what the average Christian gives. And two and a half percent, you won't miss it. At least right. here in our country, you won't miss two and a half percent because you're not living hand to mouth. Most people aren't. Even if you're living paycheck to paycheck, which a lot of Americans do, that's a choice. Not it's not I don't make enough money to, you know, to make it. It's they right. just used to have debt and payments and things that eat up all their income. So it's it's such a such an important thing to teach on tithing, and I'm glad you did it that way. And, and the test part, I think, just helps people to take that step and say, okay, I've been wanting to do it. I, I kind of feel like I should. I'm going to try it. If they say I could, you know, I can test it. So it's such a wonderful thing. I know I was, I was on staff at Gateway Church for 11 years, and Pastor Robert did the same thing. He said, hey, you know, and like, like you guys, we didn't have, I think we had a total of three people that reached out, and I think two out of the three once we talked to them, they realized, well, it's not the church's fault. And they, they kind yeah. of said, hey, I'm fine. I'm fine. You know, because again, it's a hard issue. We're not after people's money. We trust God as church leaders that God's going to provide. We are after their heart, that their hearts is fully committed to the Lord. Because giving isn't about us and them. It's about them and God. 
Well, and I would think even as as listeners now, that somebody that's giving faithfully, they love these ideas. Somebody that's not is probably not uh, loving these ideas. And I would also say that I've listened to arguments all over the place from other pastors and growing up around Dallas Seminary, um, everybody thinking about their theology. And, and I understand New Testament giving. I understand that the Old Testament tithe was a whole lot more than 10%. Yeah. And so people will quibble and say, well, how can you talk about 10%? Because really, if you study the Old Testament, it's higher. And it's yeah. like, quit quibbling and just get then what standard are you going to give? Find your own standard. And, but we, so we sometimes we quibble about the little things so much that we don't really give our people any guidance and that's what they need is guidance and direction. So give them something to grab a hold of and move forward. So. Right. And, and that's the key. They'll move forward, right? If, if they're trusting God, God can lead them as far exactly. as to take them. Exactly. So what would you say to a, a pastor that's struggling to talk about money and giving, regardless of the reason, what would you say to them? What advice or wisdom would you share that might help? Um, one is just step out and take the courage to do it. Make sure you're doing it personally. Um, and then again, the responsibility that we have, we're, you know, it's interesting. Malachi says we're robbing God if we're not giving to him. But I think we're also robbing our people of the joy that God can give them and experiencing God providing for their lives. And so we're taking away the opportunity by not even teaching them that opportunity to see God faithfully provide. And People sometimes think their faith is dull and, and they're saying, you know, I'm just I'm not experiencing anything. It's because they're not living out on the edge at all. They're they're living where it's safe. And um, if they would go ahead and be willing to take some chances, then uh, I think it might be different for them. So, yeah. Well, what a what a great thing to talk about. I mean, the fact that if you're not living on the edge and you feel like you're just kind of like mm, ho humming along and you're not feeling that connection with the with the Holy Spirit and God really working in your life. You're right. It's because you become comfortable. And uh, yeah. this, is where, this is a this is a area that God challenges me often not to become comfortable in the area of finances because finances for me I've shared this many times I'm a security seeker when it comes to to money uh, the more money I've stored up the better I feel but God knows that about me and He knows that about all of us wherever we are with money if we don't trust Him fully He's going to try to challenge us to do that and we need to allow Him to do that and, yeah. and let Him take us to different levels of of uh, faithfulness and and trust. Yeah. Leo, another real practical thing we did um, a number of years back, we've taught Financial Peace University for a long time. And just realizing if you listen to Dave Ramsey and the numbers that he talks about, 84, 85% of the people in our churches are upside down in their finances, meaning they owe more than they actually have every month. Yeah. And so the challenge is they may want to respond to our messages and they may want to give. They just can't figure out how to do it because they don't have any money. So then all of a sudden, 16% of your people are able to follow through. So we uh, we went through a big push about six years ago, and we had 11,000 people all at the same time go through Financial Peace University together. So we're stopping everything in the church, taking everybody through FPU. And so over 11,000 people went through. And it's just been exciting to watch and hear stories of them personally and what's happening in their lives now that they're not experiencing the financial burdens. And that doesn't mean everybody's figured it out. And I think it takes multiple times sometimes for people to go through FPU even. But it's just amazing to see uh, the relief as people get out from under that debt. Yeah. And it's great because not only are you teaching the biblical side of things, but you're also saying we're going to come alongside you in a very practical way and help you understand how to do this. Because it can be intimidating. It's not something that's usually taught in school or or a lot of times by parents because they themselves struggle with budgeting. But to be able to do that and say, we're going to stop everything and we're going to make sure you know this. Now, if you don't need it, that's OK. Put up with us while we teach everyone else. But the statistics show that 
a lot of people need, they do need it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think so. And it also, again, reinforces, we're not doing this for us. We're doing this for you. Um, and so yeah. it's, that FP is a real practical tool for individuals. So. Yeah, it's amazing. One of the things that I love about what what LCBC is doing today is that they're so uh, they they become a real resource to so many other churches in this area. I know Donna is helping a lot of folks, and of course through our community of of churches, she's speaking into this. But I also know that you guys are connected with a lot of churches through different network, and and you're able to share that and and really the resources and everything else. So I just want you to know how much we in this community of stewardship leaders appreciate that 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 your church is generous by sharing the things you've learned, the things you're doing, the things you're learning uh, with the rest of us. And so I just want you to know that we're very, very proud of Donna and everything she's doing. And Jeff, Jeff Kaler was, of course, uh, the stewardship leader before that, and he was on our board as well. And we're just so grateful to, for the leadership that you've developed at LCBC and the fact that it's sowing into the kingdom. And, and that's just very noticeable. So thank you for that. I know that came from your leadership and from your team. Yeah, we've learned so much from other people being generous with us. And so anything we can do to help others, that's great. So Wonderful. Well, any any last thoughts, anything we didn't cover that you'd like to, to share, David, before we end? No, again, just that challenge of saying step out and, and first of all, do it personally. And then just start talking about it. And, and don't worry about the naysayers and people that are unhappy. Um, they're going to be unhappy about something else, too. So um, yeah. go, ahead and, go ahead and teach it. Yeah. yeah, that's great. Well, thank you again for for being on. So appreciate your uh, your your perspective and all the uh, all the good words and all the wisdom you've you've shared. Great, thanks, Leo. Thanks for the opportunity. My pleasure. Well, for all of you that you've been listening, thank you so much. Uh, we appreciate you tuning in, listening to Stewardship Leader. Uh, we hope you found this helpful. If you're a senior pastor, I, I know that some of the things that David shared certainly spoke to you, and I hope you'll take them to heart if they are to help you in your church. Uh, that is why we exist here at CSN is to help you to train your own people. So we want to start that with you. So if we can help you, please reach out to us. Uh, we're at christianstewardshipnetwork.com. And we'd love to be a, a resource to your church uh, to help you come alongside you and offer any kind of resources or, or help or training that you may need. Thank you again for joining us. We'll see you next time on Stewardship Leader. Mm-hmm.